This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is September 8th, 2017. Yes, I am back from the desert, from Burning Man, where I'm staff, uh, and I have a great guest today. Daniel Batter is here. Hi. Is it Batter or Bader, by the way? It's Bader. It's it's fine. Bader. It's whatever you want. Dope. So uh, Daniel is here. And as you know, uh, he, you're the editor-in-chief of Android Central. Is that correct? Yeah, I I guess. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's, it's managing editor some days. It's like editor-in-chief other days. It, it depends on what I want. <laughs> it depends on who I'm asking things from. You know, editor-in-chief sounds a little bit more influential sometimes. Depends how much responsibility you're willing to admit today. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, no, today I'm just a staff writer. That's it. I'm not willing to take on anything. (laughs) So, you know, you guys know that uh, you probably figured out that I've pre-recorded the last, uh, well, three podcasts um, because I was away. I was away for three weeks at that thing in the desert. And as such, uh, I have not really had a chance to have fresh news for you guys. But today, I have a Note 8 and I have a V30 in hand, although I I just got them last night because I got back last night. So I haven't really had a chance to play with them. But of course, I've read about them a lot. And we have Daniel here because Daniel knows all. And we're going to discuss these beasts in great detail and then uh, talk a little bit about uh, some other stuff. I'd like to talk about the Essential Phone. I don't have one. Um, I've requested one, but I haven't received one. I think they're being stingy about review units, of course. So I'd love to take uh, hear what you have to say about that. I'm sure you have some opinions. I do. I have many opinions. Do you have one? I do. I have um, one of the few white ones, actually, which I'm super excited Oh, you're excited kidding about. me. Wow. Yeah. How did you get your hands on that? Well, let me tell you, uh, sometimes Canada does things properly, as you know, uh, as, an, as a Canadian and... Uh, uh, an expat, Canada has a weird carrier system, right? And sometimes we get exclusives and TELUS for some reason became the exclusive carrier of the Essential Phone. So they had a bunch of white one, uh, white models and uh, I was really lucky to get one. I only have it until like, I think Monday. And wow. Today's Friday. So I have to get my review done over the weekend, but Oh it's boy. beautiful. <laughs> so you guys haven't reviewed it yet then? We have. Andrew reviewed it and okay. he was about as taken with it as everybody else. Hardware great, camera crap. And that's Yeah, I expected that, you know. I kind of vague so this is I mean, I know we're not talking about the two phones. Let's get to them in a minute. But let's get the essential phone out of the way. I it's funny you say that because obviously everybody agrees. I haven't I have no opinion since I haven't played with it, but I do have, you know. I mean, when you've been doing this as long as we have, you kind of get a feel for things. You kind of get this kind of itching, you know, nagging feeling when you see a new phone that it you can kind of make an opinion just based on, you know, a number of things. And for me, I knew the cameras were not going to hit it on this thing. There's no way. You need, you need years and years of experience to make that happen these days, right? Yeah, I, I use Sony as a good example of that. Even Sony, the company that creates the sensors inside our favorite phones, can't get the the camera experience right on its own phones. So essential getting it right the first time, that's a tall order. 
Yeah. I mean, that's basically it in a nutshell. I agree. So I wasn't expecting too much from the camera on that phone. Um, and from what I see, there are lots of issues. Um, the lack of OIS is, is the biggest one, in my opinion, just like the Moto Z2 Force, I guess. Yeah. Um, who makes a flagship without OIS these days? I mean, other than the Pixel, that's the only one that got away with it. And and I really, um, I it'd be really interesting to see what happens next, considering it, the Pixel... Uh, Excel is going to be made by LG this time around. Right. I'd be surprised that it didn't have OIS because LG has been a long-term, long-time user of OIS. They were the first to really push OIS on Android phones at the same time as Nokia was pushing it on their Lumia before the, uh, their Windows phones before they got acquired by Microsoft. So I don't know. I mean, it's possible that Google said, no, we, we're going to continue with computational photography. Uh, pushing the envelope like we have so far with the pixels, and we're gonna we're not we're not gonna need OIS, and and that, you know they're the only ones who can get away with that claim right now. Absolutely, I mean maybe Apple could as well if it didn't have optical image stabilization. Like the the regular iPhone Seven doesn't, um, and you can kind of tell the difference. But like there are two companies, maybe three, including Samsung, that are investing billions of dollars into computational photography. And Google has proven again and again that you can create some incredible stability from, I, I, it, it's almost like a selective cropping. Because if you ever use that motion stills app on Android or iOS, you can see right. exactly how they get that effect. It's by cropping and then stabilizing the crop. It's really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm gung ho. I, I use the Pixel. So here are the phones I took to Burning Man, and I haven't posted my photos yet. Sadly, I was very busy at my gig this year. I had more responsibilities than in the past, which means I didn't go out to Burning Man proper to the event as much as I wanted. But I did, and I took some photos, and I used the following phones. I used the the Pixel, of course, XL, that is my daily driver. I used um, the Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus. I used the LG G6. Again, keep in mind, it did not have access to the V30 and the Note 8 uh, early. I tried really hard to talk them into letting me take these pre, pre-production with me to the to the desert because the photo ops are really insane, but they couldn't make it happen. They, they were into it. They just couldn't make it happen. I took the U11 with me and I took uh, the Huawei P10 Plus with me. I figure that's like the cream of the crop, right, in terms of imaging. Yeah. So, uh, and I tried them all, and of course, the U11, you know, kind of like sh- really, really impressed in low light, as always. Uh, the Galaxy S8, always good in every condition. G6, really awesome with its wide angle. Um, P10 Plus, really good at double uh, double time zoom, uh, lossless, and at monochrome photography. And a Pixel, just generally good around, uh, good all arounder. And in fact, in some cases, really better than the others because of the computational aspects. And in some case, because of the lack of OIS, you couldn't do the light trails and stuff that I wanted to do as well um, as I could with others. So, you know, like, that's the thing. Like, a lot of people are telling me, well, you don't need OIS. Look the, look at the pixel. And I'm like, you don't need OIS if you don't want to be creative. But if you want to be creative and do things like light trails or handheld long, long exposures in manual mode, you pretty much need OIS. So, you know, I'm hoping that Google doesn't rely on it, but has it included, at least in the Excel this year, you know? Well, it's interesting you say that because Google feels like it knows better than its users when it comes to the features in its camera app. And Sounds you know, like you, Apple. It's kind of like Apple, but I mean, 
what I find so fascinating about it is that <clears throat> as good as as good as I think the Pixel's camera experience is, Samsung and LG seem to understand that you can have a great auto mode, but not, you know, alienate the 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 people like you and me who love the manual stuff. And yeah, and Apple doesn't do seem well. to get either. I think I I find it flabbergasting that Apple doesn't have a manual mode of their own that you require a third party app on iOS, which many of them exist and they're very good. Some of them, but it just it's just vexing to me. It's like, come on, Apple, if you did a manual camera, I knew I know it would be killer, right? Right, but at least there's an API on iOS yes. that allows you to do that. On on Android, there really isn't. Uh, Android or Google hasn't updated the camera to API in like three years. And I am hard pressed to find a really good third-party camera app that I like. You know, I've bought, I've bought every one of them. They're Me too, I've got them all. And they're and I never use them in the end because I'm, I find that the native cameras that are provided by Samsung and LG, and to some extent HTC has is, is, is gotten better, uh, are just better than anything you can buy, you know? But that's um, the problem is that you're, you're kind of locked in. It's, it's weird. You're locked into that app, and there's no incentive for the manufacturers to share those features because it's why you buy the phone in the first place. Whereas Google, I think, has an incentive to build a really good manual camera feature that can be shared across the entire Android ecosystem. You know, if your phone yeah. supports manual features, just show them when you open the, the, the camera app. But unfortunately, it, I guess it just isn't a priority. It's disappointing. Uh, I agree. And it needs to happen and, and Google needs to get on top of it. And uh, I also do need to think that uh, they, they need to have OIS on their devices, uh, at least on one of them, to really show, uh, let creative people do their creative stuff, you know. Um, so another phone I brought with me for Burning Man was the Moto Z2 Play. And you're going to mm. say, why? Because of the 360 mod. <laughs> right. I uh, didn't want to bring the Z2 Force with me because, well, I was like, longer battery life, headphone jack that I can use in the car, um, and then uh, the 360 mod. So I took some 360 photos for the first time at Burning Man, and that was very interesting. Um, low light was kind of meh, obviously, but they still look uh, they still look great, and they came out good overall. I'm pretty happy. Um, so that that was the, that was the 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 collection. And so that brings us to to today. We two of the phones in that collection, the G6 and the Galaxy S8 Plus, have been superseded by better, bigger, stronger, faster phones. And I want to talk about them. And, and let's start with the uh, the V30 simply because chronologically it came out first. Right. What is so your take? I want to hear your take because obviously I've literally just taken them out of the box and I don't have enough hands-on time to judge yet. Yeah, I was surprised at how much I like the V30. I liked the the G6. I think it's a solid piece of hardware that was so quickly overshadowed by the S8 that many people just forgot about it. But I don't think that's so going to happen with the V30. I think the V30, for many reasons, stands on its own. There were some really good design decisions made from perspective of you know, closing up that battery, making it a metal side glass back, kind of familiar design that anybody who's bought a Samsung phone will will not feel alienated by in the same way that they did the, the V10 and V20. 
This is yeah, a much yeah, more mainstream sure. phone. But there's also so many unique and and great features for audio files and video files. Um, and I'm somebody who really loves good high quality audio, as I'm as I know you are. Yes. And, you know, I have a bunch of high impedance headphones that I've plugged into this thing. And, and it's, it's mind blowing, isn't it? I mean Yeah, it's it's about as good as a the, really like decent headphone amplifier will give you from a the, computer or any other nice source. So is, is it improved over the V20 at all? I don't think so. I, I think it's the same ESS DAC as the V20. And I've read, I think it was on Android Authority. Robert Triggs is a really good, he's like an audio scientist, and he wrote a really good piece on how he doesn't think that the V30 actually has better hardware than the V20. It's that there are, they're, they're showing more f- features from a software side, and that's going to be, uh, that's where the improvement is. It's a really sexy phone. I mean, you know, I like the V10's design. It was a little utilitarian and rugged, but in in a, in a classy kind of way. It, too big, of course, because of that second display. But um, the V the V20 kind of left me cold in terms of industrial design. And this thing, wow! I mean, it's as you said, it's Galaxy galaxy grade right and that today is i hate to say it the state of the art until apple on tuesday does their thing with their thousand plus dollar phone which will have an edge-to-edge display right now we look at samsung and at this v30 as the and and the essential phone i suppose as the cream of the crop in terms of industrial design wouldn't you say yeah Uh, this is table stakes lg understands that it needs to move in this direction. And it's done that without really sacrificing any of the major features that made the V series so popular amongst enthusiasts. And it made some sensible design decisions. And I'll I'll give you two of those. The first is that it's light. It's really light compared to the S8 Plus and the Note 8. It doesn't feel like it's a, you know, a, a monolithic heavy object in your hand it kind of disappears into your pocket or bag it's surprisingly light what did they do for that is it is it aluminum or is it stainless steel it is aluminum so they didn't go with stainless steel again i think the v20 was also aluminum but this is just less metal overall and i'm guessing that they made some other internal changes to lighten it a little bit but there's also that really nicely placed fingerprint sensor and if you don't need it or you want to try something else, the face recognition actually works when the screen is off. So ah. you don't even need to turn the screen on like you do with the S8 Plus. You just hold the phone up to your face and it just opens. It's really fast. It's probably not that safe, but it's really fast. And it's just face recognition doesn't have iris, does it? Exactly. No, it just uses your it uses the, the um, proximity sensor on the front of the phone and the front-facing camera. And I think that's enough. I mean, you really have to know what you're getting yourself into when it comes to biometric authentication. This is not the safest way to unlock your phone. It can easily be fooled with a photo, but it's fast and it's convenient. And the S8 and Note 8 are none of those things. Right. I just turned it on and I'm going to, while we speak, like set it up. (laughs) It'll be fun. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, So, so... Specs-wise, it's Snapdragon 835. What's uh, the RAM count on that? Do we so know? So it's four gigs. Um, and even the the V30 Plus, which is going to be available in South Korea exclusively, is not six gigs. It's four gigs, 128 
gigs of storage, um, which is really interesting. But I think this is done to keep costs down. Right. My first impression, other than the beautiful build, is that it it is more rectangular than, like, wider than I expected compared to the G6. Like, the aspect ratio looks more traditional to me, even though I know it's an 18 by 9 screen. Yeah, and I think that's because you're used to the SA+, which is slightly wider or slightly taller than it is wide. And I think they have these tiny bezels on the edges as well, which you don't have on the Galaxy or the G6, right? True. Yeah, But it's sexy. If you look at the G6, uh, there's a bezel below the screen that's a bit larger than say the S8, uh, this just shifts some of that bezel from above and below to the sides, which makes it's it very wider. It's very interesting. So let's talk about the cameras, because obviously, you know, that's what I'm here for a lot. Um, from my understanding, there is uh, still uh, the wide angle and then the regular, right? And uh, what what's changed since the V the V twenty and the G six? Well, since the G six, because the V twenty and the G six are pretty different, actually. The V twenty right. is a lot more like the G five, with a sixteen and an eight. And this is dual twelve, correct? No, so this is actually sixteen and thirteen. Oh, interesting. Which one yeah. is sixteen? Mm-hmm. So they stayed with sixteen, and there's a bit of controversy. Sixteen I mean- for the main camera. Yeah, 16 for the So they went back to the G5 and V20 sensor. No, this is a new sensor. It's the IMX351, which is a new sensor, but it's small. It's only, it's one over 3.1 inches, which is actually smaller than the one in the G6. So it's 1.1 microns, I presume. No, it's one micron, which is like even more of a regression. And they managed to pull that off. You know why? Because LG is the only one who knows how to do noise reduction properly on small pixel sizes. And they've got years of experience starting with the G2. You're right. So they're the only ones. And and I normally I frown when I see that. But in this case, so it's a completely new sensor. And it's F over 1.6, correct? Yeah. So I think what they did was, so this was, emphasize in the briefing to me they said they wanted to make sure that there wasn't a camera bump period right to do that and have uh, and and do a dual camera setup they needed to make the primary sensor as small as possible especially since they wanted ois so they went with this setup knowing that as you said the noise reduction is really good and with the f1.6 lens that would compensate a little bit for low light uh it's not entirely true because low light on the v30 is not great it's good but it's not g6 or pixel good oh interesting but it's fine i mean like capital f fine and you won't be you won't like hate your life the way that you may with an, an essential and you phone. get a little more resolution which really helps when you want to do zooming and cropping right. uh and so what about the wide angle is it still f over 2.4 it is but no sorry it's not it's f over 1.9 which is really Whoa, wide that is awesome yes not to mention that there is significantly less distortion in the corners. So this is a the the transition between the two cameras is not as stark this year compared to the V30. What's the, the uh, what's the angle view of that? Uh, the angle like the field of view of that camera? Yeah, it's it's one twenty uh, degrees. So I think it's the same as the V20, but you're just going to get a lot less distortion. This is a much nicer photo at the end of the day. Does it have OIS? It does not. <laughs> okay, and no autofocus, of course. 
So that's interesting. So they've improved the lens speed. Mm-hmm. And what's what's different about the sensor? This is the same 13 megapixel sensor as in the G6 then? I don't think so. Um, it may be. I have no... They Because the G6 is dual the, 13 or dual 12? I can't remember. It's dual 13. And I think dual they're the 13. same sensors. Um, this may be the same sensor as in the G6, but they're not disclosing. Right. That's interesting because... I, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look forward to using this. I, I I'm really excited about f one point six to be honest with you. And and uh, if if the um, distortion issues have been taken care of on the wide angle, it's gonna be even better because that wide angle is just. I love it. It's one of my favorite things about uh, LG's recent phones. So you know what's interesting here is that LG is the only company remaining out of the big ones that have dual cameras that don't do a portrait mode type. Uh, I know it's interesting that they don't have anything like that right now, huh? Right, but if you think about it, f1.6 gives you a decent amount of real, oh, yeah. quote-unquote, real um, depth of field, which imitates the portrait mode to some extent, and you can still get some really good DOF. So I think it's a good compromise because I'm like you. I love that wide-angle sensor or that wide-angle lens, and I would take it any day over a fake portrait mode. Yeah, me too, honestly. I mean, if it's a, you know, if it's a, a fast enough lens like this, you can get some really nice bouquet on, on the right shots if you do it right. Um, yeah. And and I have. Um, what else uh, was I going to say? So OIS 1.6, 16 megapixel, 1 micron on the main camera. No OIS 1.9, 13 megapixel, no OIS on the wide angle. And what's the size of the pixels on that? We don't know what that 13 megapixel sensor is, Ren. It's a new one. Yeah, I don't know. It's It may not be a new it's one a at all. It's a mystery sensor. Interesting. Might be a LG's own sensor. They've been doing their own for a while as well. Mm-hmm. And headphone jack and DAC. Oh my God, I'm so happy about that. But so I, I don't know if, if you're like me here, but the V V20 had the, the headphone jack on the bottom. And you this, like that better. This yeah. imitates the one on the G6 with having the headphone jack on the top. And I really think that was a bad idea. Um, I, I find the the way that you put the phone in and out of your, your pocket, pocket. With, a, yeah. with headphones attached, it just makes using it a little bit less easy. And I, it's... it's I agree, but it's not a deal breaker for me. I'll be honest with you. You know, at this point, I'm like, this phone is delicious. Is this an OLED panel? It is, yeah. It's OLED. Ron Amadio from Ars Technica had a scathing review of the OLED panel. He said that it was very low quality. With uh, oh, Ron, well, we love okay, you so, so. To his credit, and he's not wrong. The the OLED panel itself is great. I think the colors are good. The brightness is fine. It's not Samsung quality, but there's a there's a clear difference in the in the consistency of the lighting compared to Samsung, right? And that makes sense because Samsung has been doing this way longer. And if you look at the V30 next to a Note 8, you can see the tangible differences in the quality of the panel. But it's only when you have a Note 8 next to it that you're like, oh, okay, I get it. What does it look like compared to the Pixel, in your opinion? I mean, that's a pretty good panel too, right? But not Galaxy S8 panel. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, as I said, like I, I think this is one of the top panels out there in terms of clarity, color reproduction, but lighting is is inconsistent. And that's, you know, that's, that's something LG will just have to fix in its manufacturing. Right. Well, I'm wondering if they're using a plastic OLED 
or or glass OLED on this one. You know, because they've been a long time proponent of plastic OLED with the Flex and then the um, the watches. Their LG watches are all plastic OLED. Um, and that's really hard to get consistent color and brightness uh, across the entire display with those things. So yeah, I think this is plastic. Um, actually, Samsung's is plastic too. It just they call it Super AMOLED. Uh, that's the brand. But from what I understand, Samsung is POLED as well. It's just you know, it's like Intel versus uh, AMD. AMD. You know, <laughs> back in the early days, Intel yeah, just yeah. had so much better yields from their lower nanometer processes, right? Where if you, and even now, like today, Intel's having issues transitioning past uh, 14 nanometers. I don't think they've yeah. gone down to 10 nanometers for their main chips. And it's the same thing. I mean, yields are are hard. You can oh, build yeah. a couple hundred thousand of these, no problem. But to build 10, 15 million of them, that's tough. So what about the storage option? How much storage does it come with? And does it support micro SD? Yes, uh, 64 gigs standard, like the V20, and right. microSD standard. One nice, nice bonus is that all of the V30 variants have wireless charging and IP68 water and oh, dust resistance. Oh, bam. Wireless char- I was wondering about wireless charging, and I certainly I knew it was going to be waterproof or water resistant. That's great news. Huge improvement over the V20 and V10 there. And of course, at the expense of the removable battery, which for some people is is, an, is important, but I really don't think it matters anymore these days with fast charging and, and everything else. And I've always preferred having USB pack anyway as a backup because you don't have to shut down your phone. So, True. 100% to right. To me, uh, having my copy-paste buffer, uh, unless you have a copy-paste buffer that lives in the cloud, uh, which uh, there is some apps that do that, um, but I like my copy-paste and my recent apps to remain exactly the way I left them, and so uh, having to shut down is a problem for that. Well, so this is a pretty awesome phone. I'm really looking forward to playing with it. Uh, obviously, dear listeners, you will hear all about my feel, my my feedback and my thoughts in the next podcast. We'll talk about the iPhone then too. Um, let's talk about the Note 8 real quick. Um, so what's your take in general? So it's so interesting. The Note 8 is probably the best Android phone you can buy right now. Um, but it's also really boring. <laughs> it's funny how everybody has that feeling. I I don't really feel that way. I mean, I I feel it. How much? I mean, how much better can you get? Like, yeah, you can go essential phone, right, and be the titanium and ceramic. But what else are you gonna do? Like, what do you expect? But that's I I think that's the point. You know, it's it's almost like you know to go back to the the desktop or laptop computer analogy. Um, you know, we're sort of in a resurgence these days of of laptop design and 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 computer, you know, desktops in general. But for a while, I think you know when the MacBook Air was announced and the Ultrabooks from Intel and Microsoft came out to compete with it, there was this battle to 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 make the best ultrabook and after a while the things true. just sort of settled down and we realized that you don't really need much more than just a you know a Dell XPS 13 or a MacBook Air and i think we're in the same boat now where every phone is really good and this is just the best example of that really good phone um but, but it it's also mean it's exciting, insanely right? expensive because you could yeah they're all going to start looking the same too eventually 
let me tell you a few things like because that's the one i've actually gotten a briefing on and of course i've got one in hand right here even though i haven't turned it on yet um literally arrived this morning this one uh on fedex i love the fact that it's squarer i like square phones i don't know you know i don't like the rounded corners so, so you're saying of the s8 you don't love the rounded corners correct i mean of all the phones a lot of the phones um I like the Xperia's because of that. I like the Essential phone because of that. I like the fact that the Note um, has gone back to more square design. Um, and it's big and heavy. That's the, the initial takeaway. You know, if you can live with a big and heavy phone, this is the phone. And you have the money. But if not, um, I would say, you know, the V30 is, is the one to go with, right? Basically, is what it boils down to now, wouldn't you say? Uh, okay, so we didn't talk at all about software on the V30 side. Well, and let's talk about let's talk about it in a second. I, I no, but, agree but with I, you. But I have but, to. But you you asked me the question about like which one would I yeah. prefer, and I think it does boil down a little bit to software because the V30 software doesn't feel as polished as the as the Note 8. So if I were to say to you, if you want the iPhone of the Android world, uh, and and I say that me, knowing that there's the Pixel and there's the essential phone, but I really do think that. If you're looking for the simplest experience possible that's available everywhere, because the Pixel's not, you should go with the Galaxy S8 or the Note 8. And the software on the Samsung side has improved a lot. It's improved oh, it's so much. it's better. I mean, that's one of the things that blew my mind about my when I reviewed the GS8 and S8 Plus. It was that finally, out of the box, the software was good. Like, it was... It didn't piss me off. That's <laughs> never that happened with Samsung before. Exactly. It's so interesting. It's like the first time in since the Galaxy S2, right? That I can remember not hating right. the, the software S2 on a Samsung pretty, phone. Pretty awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I look, I agree the software matters and you're right about the LG issue. Uh, their software has always been a bit wonky, but I usually put the Google Play Now launcher on and things and call it a day anyway. So... Of course, now the Pixel launcher is probably another good option. Does that exist on the App Store, or is that just an extracted APK these days? Uh, the the GNL is there. It's deprecated, but you can still. Google said they were going to remove it from the, the Play Pixel Store. But you can still get it. Can you can you download the Pixel launcher from the App no, Store? No, not the Pixel launcher. The Google Now oh. launcher. It's funny that they still haven't made that a thing. I don't know. It's like one. I other, want that on all my phones. Come on. It, it's it's like one more vexing Google decision that I just don't understand. Right. I know. It's annoying. Um. Yeah. So so okay. Let's talk about you know it's a it's a Galaxy S8 Plus on steroids basically. It has a bigger screen, right? What is it? Six point three? No, is it bigger? Yeah, than that? six point three. Versus 6.1, was it? 2, no. 6.2 on the S8 Plus. Wow, it's not much of a difference then. It doesn't seem like it, but it's but just... It feels uh, like it. It's just tall enough that it's annoying. It's big. This is a big, heavy freaking thing. <laughs> it's a lot. Like now uh, that I'm in my hand, after holding the V30, which is so light and thin and beautiful, this thing is honking. Um, and and um, Snapdragon 835, uh, 6 gigs is it of RAM? Six gigs, all the variants have six gigs. But do we notice the difference? That's, you know, the thing with OnePlus, they go on and on about how they have eight gigs of RAM in the OnePlus 5. And I'm like, 
and and so what? Like, I don't notice it. Like, does it make a difference? I I don't know. It's it's like with when it comes to RAM on Android, it's basically just shrug emoji for me. Yeah, <laughs> shrug emoji. Um, yeah, and that's how I feel too. I'm like, who needs more than four gigs of RAM? Who needs more than six forty k? That's what Bill Gates said. Right. Um, I mean, it it probably comes down to future proofing, but yeah, right now, probably not. But I think people who say, oh, you can run more apps and faster, and I'm like, I don't know about the faster. The more apps, maybe you can multitask and keep more apps in the foreground at the same time. I can see that. But I don't know. Um, so the display is just a bigger, better, brighter. No, it's probably the same display, but just a slightly bigger version of it, right? Than the Galaxy S8 Plus. I mean, it has the same resolution and everything, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. So the the guy from DisplayMate... Uh he's you know he's the the dude who uh, what's his name uh no nogera or sonera something he um reviews these panels he says the note 8's panel is the brightest ever it's the best ever in terms of reflectivity uh this thing can go up to 1200 nits outdoors Jesus. which wow. is insane and i can verify that, that. i mean I, I can't verify exactly that number because i don't have a a, a light meter but I can verify that it's basically the same outdoors as it is inside, which is unprecedented. Wow. Uh, I mean, the screen is perfect. Like, there's really no other way to put it. It's basically perfect. So, but it's it's Quad HD. And does it run at 1080p by default? Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> That's such a great trick. Honestly, I think it's awesome. A lot of people are butthurt by that, but I'm like, look. I mean, do you even notice the difference? If it saves you some battery and you have the option, then why not why not run it at 1080p? Yeah, I think it's genius. I mean, so here's here's what's really interesting, Miriam. And I and I wanna like can we can I talk about this for as an aside for like two seconds? No, talk about it as an aside for three minutes. Okay, sweet. Okay. So we are AndroidCentral.com and we have a tips or a like a a contact email and a lot of people who are not that familiar with android email us thinking that we are android like not android central but android and they, <laughs> they think that we are you know a, a direct line to google the creators of android that is awesome and a lot of our complaint emails over the last year have been about the nougat update for the galaxy s line saying that it is completely terrible that the design is bad that it's harder to read the text because it's too thin and many of them have complained that samsung has completely upended the way that they use their phones and i find that really fascinating because if you think about it the note the the, the s7 when it got nougat it did feel kind of like a brand new phone it didn't it didn't maintain any of that legacy samsung crud it was awesome which is great, but to a lot of people who are used to that legacy Samsung crud, it was a bad thing. And I find that the the features that Samsung added, like the lower resolution by default, makes so much sense from a from an engineering perspective. But there are a lot of people who are going to find that frustrating because their text is a little bit more fuzzy or whatever. And I just, I find it fascinating that there's these two sides of the same argument that if you have a phone and you buy your phone, you don't want it to change a year into your life, into its lifespan. You just want everything to stay the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, Apple users 
you know, lost their minds when iOS 7 came out. Yeah, but that's because it was a piece of shit that barely worked. Excuse my language. Well, that is true. You can swear it's fine. I, I just, you're right, but I think that at the same time, you know, it paved the way to a much improved experience in iOS. Oh yeah, it did. And that but, needed I mean, to happen. And I think this needed to happen with, for Samsung users. You know, like it's about time that a Samsung phone feels like a fucking Android phone rather than something out of another planet that's like Tizen or whatever, like it was in the past. I mean, that's what's my biggest gripe about Samsung for the longest time as a as a Nexus Pixel user, right? It's like, come on, get with the program, guys. Yes, you're going to alienate your users. Progress happens. It's just life, you know, get exactly. used to it. You know, and it's probably now, like six months later, they probably love it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I think it's an objectively better experience once you get used to it. I think so too. And so, yeah, the software experience certainly cannot be uh, understated on how awesome it is on Galaxy phones this year. Um, so we talked about the processor, the RAM, the storage. It's 64. The one I have is 64. Is there a 128 gig version? I guess there must be. There must be. I don't think it's available in the US. Wireless charging, IP68 or 67, water resistance, blah, 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 micro SD, all the works. Um, so, you know, obviously it's bigger. It has a stylus. I don't even want to get into the S Pen. I think it's awesome for people who love it. I have zero use for it. Um, but I know people who swear by it, all Note users, of course. So that's what is important for the fans that they made this phone, of course, right? Because of the disaster that was the Note 7. Um, but the cameras is really what I want to talk about. You figured that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe the audio as well. Because even though Samsung has not been using Quad HD DAX and whatever, I felt that the audio experience on the Galaxy S8 was pretty solid for a, you know, a generic audio experience. Um, so the camera, I'll tell you what I know and what I was mistaken by, by the way, that Samsung mistook and gave me the wrong information about. And I mentioned in my pre-recorded podcast, uh, after the, that, that aired after the embargo lifted, um, I thought both lenses were going to be F over 1.7 and that's what they had told me. But it turns out that the, um, the, the telephoto is two F over 2.4 which is very disappointing to me. But this has OIS, so that's... It's the, it's the only phone with telephoto that has OIS right now, right? It is. Um, it's... I'm, I'm torn because it technically is, is a very impressive secondary shooter, right? Um, but the, the actual IQ of the... Of the secondary sensor isn't great. And I'll give you an example. I have a it's, dog. It's not the same sensor as the main sensor. I hear it's a lesser sensor. It doesn't have the dual pixel autofocus stuff. Yeah, it's um, definitely not the same sensor. And and you see, that's the other thing that Samsung at the briefing didn't tell me correctly. They said both sensors are the same. Both are F over 1.7. And oh. one is a tele. And both have OIS. One is a tele, one is a regular. And I was like, my mind was like, you should have seen my face at that point. I was like, oh, Wow. And that's not the truth. The truth is it's a lesser sensor and it's F over 2.4. Yeah, and and that's normal. I mean, if we're thinking rationally, rationally, that it, sh it probably shouldn't be an F over 1.7. That's kind of why I was like, really? Wow, mind blown. Like, how did you achieve an F over 1.7 on a telephoto, right? 
Yeah, I mean, then you're introducing, uh, you're introducing optical properties that are probably not desirable on a telephoto lens. Um, exactly. I'm I'm just thinking like, okay, so I have a I have a I have a dog. I take her to the park. I want to take a, a a couple nice photos using the two X uh, camera but it tends to stick to one over 30 or less because it doesn't have OAS and it doesn't have the same dual, you know, autofocus pixels and all the, all the other guards. It doesn't have OAS or it does? It does have OAS. It it does have OAS, sorry, but it doesn't have the same ability to focus on, and keep uh, focused on a subject. Right. And it, it, because it's the F 2.4, it doesn't have the same amount of, uh, of of area for the light to go in, and I don't get good shots. Period. I just do not get good shots, action shots. That Everything is else my is my general gripe about these telephotos, and why I think the wide angle is the way to go. Like, if you ask me, either go monochrome color because that's interesting from a dynamic range point of view to me, um, or go go tele uh, go uh, uh, not tele but uh, wide angle like the G the V thirty and the G six or right. and all the preceding ones because I I think Apple makes so much fuss about this and it's really not there's no fuss to be made here it it's a minor gimmick at best and portrait mode is possible because of the dual camera yes but with the f over one point six like on the V thirty you're gonna get portrait mode no matter what so. I just I don't get it. It's it's a bit it's a bit weird to me that there's this big portrait mode thing going on, and and OnePlus is a good example of how you fail at doing this implementation, right? Well, I mean, OnePlus just doesn't have the bodies to engineer a great portrait mode. I mean, period. Well, Samsung and neither does. does Moto apparently because <laughs> the Z2 Forces portrait mode is meh as well. Oh, it's a disaster. I mean, the whole camera setup on the Z2 Force is a disaster. Um, at least I with the Note so 8, disappointed. you have you have a decent primary camera experience, but the primary camera experience is the exact same as it is on the S8. You're not getting anything new. There's nothing better. And if you're thinking about it, the S8 wasn't an improvement over the S7. In fact, exactly. we did some tests and we found the S7 took better photos than the S8 in most scenarios. Interesting. So, yeah, we did a we, we did like a an apples to apples comparison when the note when the S8 came out and we found that Why there was a lot more is? smoothing on the S8, and that it just wasn't as uh, there. There was there, there was a lot more noise. <clears throat> excuse me, okay, in certain so, situations. Sorry, I said okay. So I was gonna say something, but continue. I want to listen to what you say. No, and th- that's it. Like it just it wasn't it wasn't as good. And so I have a theory. And my theory is this: that the Galaxy S6's camera is better than the S7 S8s. Wow! And oh, snap. people are like, people are like, what are you talking about? I like pull out that old GS6, update it to the latest version possible, and go out there. Yes, it's not as fast. Absolutely. Yes, it doesn't have the auto HDR that's as awesome as what we're used to in this world of pixels and Galaxy S8s. But here's the thing: it's an f over one point nine, which is pretty awesome. And it's 16 megapixels with not too small pixel. They're not great. They're not like 
1.4, 1.5, but they're like 1.2, I think. They're not bad. And and honestly, I feel that you get greater detail, especially in low light, on that Galaxy S6 than you did on the S7 or the S8. But we've just all forgotten because we've all put the, our eggs. It's like the Ultra Pixel back in the in the HTC uh, uh, One days, right? We 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 really focused on the low light. We wanted the low light to be really good, and it is really good. But we lost so much detail. It's true. Pull out a Galaxy S six and and play with it. You'll see. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because my favorite experience shooting on a camera, I think, ever, and maybe I'm just talking out of nostalgia, but the Note 5 was, and it still is, one of the f- the fastest and most entertaining photo- uh, phones that I've ever used to take photos. So and that's you're right. the same sensor as the Galaxy S7, so there it, you go. It, same sensor as the S6, I think, right? Six, sorry, six, yes. Yeah, so that's you're what absolutely I meant. right. Try it. Tried, you'll be surprised. I mean, look, you know, we're we're in a different world now, but this is worth revisiting, is what I'm saying. And and yeah, and and so you've been warned. It's like I think that's kind of why I think uh, LG went back to 16. You know, when you get that much detail, your noise reduction works better uh, because you can blur things a bit but not lose too much detail. And then when you have that much detail, you can crop and zoom better. Uh, zooming, and I don't generally do it, but cropping I do. And, and I like to be able to crop without things looking like a blob, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a tough thing. It's, it's, a, it's really a tough compromise. But I think the Galaxy S6 and the Note 5 are kind of forgotten children of the awesome camera world. You're, and you're we've right. kind of passed them by after the Galaxy S7, and then now we're kind of like in this mode where you know we ex- we just accept that behavior, and I think the Pixel also reinforces that because it's a 12 megapixel large pixel. But if you look at a Pixel shot, the detail is good, but it's not it's not as good as what you did what we got out of the G5 last year, for example, in some shots. I still think the G5 and the V20 last year, in some ways are at least their main camera really really impressive because they're you get the best of all worlds yeah i i i think there was a lot there's a lot to be said for increased spatial resolution and the v20 did a lot of things right um you know you you know alex doby he's uh yeah he's a really smart guy he has a lot of interesting and, and smart things to say about cameras and he would argue that you know the the camera on the G6, which is 13 megapixels, even though it's an older sensor, is arguably the best camera you can buy right now because there are so many good things. I'm on board. I I actually think the G6, because the algorithms are so sorted out, rivals the pixel, in my opinion, in low light. But I have to say the G5, um, that extra detail just mattered. Hmm. And I'm glad to see that they went back to uh, 16 on the V30, even though they probably need to tune the V30 because it's a newer sensor. Uh, eventually, they'll get the light to be pretty decent as well. I'm I sure. Hope so. uh, but you're right. I mean, the, the the so the note the note. All of this is is true and great. And essentially, it's a Galaxy S8 Plus with more RAM in some markets um, because some Galaxy S8 Pluses have six gigs, right? With a stylus. With a slightly bigger screen and with a dual camera, and we've already talked about the plus and pros and cons of the dual camera, but ultimately it's the price that really makes it a hard pill to swallow for some people anyway. 
and it's almost a thousand dollars. And at that point, you can get for two hundred dollars less, you can get a Galaxy S8 Plus. So it's a tough choice, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Note 8 is going to go down in price. It's it's not going it to stay at nine thirty. The S8 Plus didn't stay at eight thirty or eight fifty for very long. So I I think if you can wait, you should. I mean, there's some decent Bogo deals. T-Mobile has one, but. If you don't want to spend nine thirty, you could just wait until Christmas or, or Black Friday and get one for a couple hundred dollars off. And that's always a good time because then the Pixel will be out too, so you'll have a better basis to make a decision on buying a new phone at least until the spring. Um, let's talk about the live bouquet mode. I think that's very interesting. I think that's a cool feature. I like that. Uh, yeah, I've I did some shot for shot tests with the iPhone Seven Plus portrait mode yesterday. And I think it's a matter of taste because the iPhone really isolates that foreground subject and very, very heavily blurs out the background. Um, it, it looks very artificial, but in some cases, especially with people, the effect is appreciated. With the right. Note 8, even at the highest degree of blur, or it's called live focus, uh, it doesn't get much, much more blurry than you know a, a normal f over 1.7 you know depth of field um and i i think that's on purpose especially since you can adjust the effect afterwards but yeah. i don't know i mean i it may not be as arresting as, as the iphones right well i don't care i mean for me it's like i actually you know like what huawei's been doing for a long time i mean they finally introduced a portrait mode on the p10 and i think it might have retrofitted it on the mate 9 but the p9 you know, any even the Honor Six Plus back in the day that had dual cameras uh, did uh, did this 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 bokeh effect. Uh, they call it variable aperture, and you can set the aperture synthetically up to zero point nine five, down to sixteen, and at sixteen almost everything's in focus, and it's really cool. And at zero point nine five, you're talking, you know, like focus, you know, uh, basically depth of field of like a, a centimeter, right? Um, and and it's it's it back then it was well done and I think it's well done today but it's completely adjustable at the time of shooting and after the fact and to me that's way more interesting than a completely automated portrait mode you know yeah and that's why I love the P10 and I took one of them with me the plus because of the faster lenses uh, to Burning Man because I I like the option to have you know to have that that kind of manual. Sh uh, aperture which is basically what's missing on modern phones today and portrait mode is 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 optimized for portrait this is not in my opinion quite as flexible that's absolutely true uh apple's releasing an api for developers to adjust blur after the fact uh, but do they iOS talk about 11? it in terms of f-stop or not like that's the thing right no we need an equivalency to real life right but i i, I find I mean, do you find that the 0 0.95 equivalent on the P10 Plus to be over, you know, it's like over-exaggerating? It uh, is, but I mean, it's basically anywhere beyond 1.2, you're, you're getting into, you know, like major, major blur territory and it's fine. I mean, it looks real. It looks realistic to me. It just doesn't look that much different when you pass the 1.2 range. And, and, you know, if you use like a, a 5D uh, Canon with like that super awesome prime lens that they make, the 50 millimeter 1.2 portrait lens. Oh God, that lens is insane. 
it's a prime and it's really fast and it's gorgeous. And, you know, you shoot with that thing and it's basically what shooting in that mode reminds me of on the, on the Leica, on the P10 plus and P10. It's, it's kind of insane. Like you can really, really pick your depth of field, um, you know, down to like, uh, a centimeter or so and it's it's fun it's fun especially on subjects that are not and you know that give you that that ability to to focus on a certain part like if you take a, a three-quarter view of a car for example you can really have fun with it right but yeah. other than that it's in a, you know and it's a creative tool just like all manual controls and that's kind of what I, what i want in my phone photography i don't want to have to rely on you know, on my Fujifilm uh, point and shoot that I love dearly, I have an X30, or on you know my my uh, NEX, um, which is a little bit heftier and has interchangeable lenses, uh, to and to do that kind of effect. It's nice to have it on a phone, and I, and that's why portrait mode. I mean, it's nice. I, I love the results, especially Apple has tweaked it to really well. But like, how often do I take portraits? Is <laughs> not that often. I take a lot of sub photography of things and mm -hmm. and landscapes, and I need I need the flexibility, you know. Yeah, I I agree. I think Apple's whole lifestyle thing is emphasizing people. Whereas in reality, not everybody, like my camera roll is not nearly as full of people as Apple would like people, like, you know, potential customers to believe. Maybe I'm just an antisocial person, but I don't think so. I mean, I love taking photos of my wife. I love taking photos of, of people around me. But like, realistically, most of my photos are not of people. No, it's the same with me. And, and I mean, that's the difference. I mean, I think I'd admit, I have to admit that a lot of people, the majority of people take photos of people. I get that. You know, and, but I'm not, and that's what I'm not, that's not where I come from. So to me, it's not a prior, a feature I want to prioritize. And so, you know, as such, it's nice that the Note 8 is the first Samsung phone with a dual camera that has, you know, a live blur mode and blah, blah, blah. And it's definitely competitive. I think it's, it was a stroke of genius to put OIS on the second cam and, and, and not a stroke of genius in the sense that, oh, were well, you so smart? Because actually it was, I should say it was the other way around. Apple not doing it was a major mistake. And I really hope they remedy it this year. Because when they came out with a dual camera and one of them didn't have OIS, I was like, what are you talking about? And I would argue that not having OIS on the wide angle on the V30 and the G6 is a mistake. Um, eventually, they need to put OIS on those telephoto, uh, not telephoto, on those wide angles as well for low light. That's my opinion, though. So... I'm just wondering how much more technologically or engineering challenging uh, adding OIS to the second sensor is. Uh, you know, how much more extra space do you need? Is it is it literally double the space no. of the single lens, or can no. you combine the modules to create a slightly well, more at, look, compact? Look at the P10 Plus, right, and the Mate Nine. Both of them OIS on both sensors, and they're the the sensors don't protrude. I mean, it's perfectly possible to make it happen. It's just a cost thing. It's mm -hmm. expensive. And it's a software thing. You have to make sure, like, when you do portrait mode and both lenses have OIS, that they're both stabilized at the same time, you know, la, la, la. And nobody's pulled it off. Huawei is the only one until Samsung to do this. So Samsung's doing it now. You know, again, you need to synchronize the OIS on the lenses, right? Otherwise, your depth of field stuff's not going to work. Sure. So that's the tricky thing. Um but I think other than that, um, so you need you need you need motors. I mean, they're not motors; they're tiny micro 
and tiny, tiny electromagnet solenoid type things that adjust the, you know, coils basically that adjust the lens around. You need them to synchronize well, like to have the same response and speed. You need lenses that are the same weight for that to happen. And I think that's the channels, right? The challenge because when you have a telephoto, it's a very different optical system with different uh, number of lenses and shapes and weights. Uh, versus, um, you know, a regular lens. And so making the OIS match is a different, is a difficult thing. But clearly, you know, if Huawei can do it, come on, Apple and Samsung, and then Samsung do it, does it now. Clearly these guys, everybody else can do it too, right? But here's so, my question to you then. How does Samsung use that to its advantage in its marketing? Um, or, or even, like, can it? Is there any advantage other than to you and me and people in the know to adding OAS to the second sensor? A better portrait is in low light is really the uh, the only way I would message that. Okay. Because that's, that's hard. Really that's, that's hard because, and I, I've tried this, the Note 8 does default to the primary sensor in low light when you use 2X. Yeah, because... Well, because you know, uh, I think it's it's having a hard time either stable, you know, match, matching the OIS between the two lenses, or there's an f-stop issue, right? The two the two point four is going to let so much less light in that it's hard for the computational aspects to work properly. I don't know. There's something like that going on here, because a lot of them drop it in low light, like you know, like the One Plus Five won't do portrait in low light. The Z Two Force won't do portrait in low light. The iPhone Seven Plus won't do portraits in low light. It'll tell you, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's. I mean, it very... might not tell you. It might just use the main lens and call it a day. But right, exactly. I mean, the, I think when you default back to the primary lens without making it clear that's what's happening, you're doing your customer a disservice. Even though it is more trans, it's it's more seamless, you're still essentially just cropping your primary sensor. Right. And that's, I, I just don't, like, you have so many people uploading 2X photos to the internet that are basically just crops. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't think it is a good thing, but do people care is the question. You know, this is, yeah, you're talking, most people don't have any idea. Like they're just happy now that they mash the button and the photos come out good on their iPhones. But are, I mean, that's the thing. Are they even good? They're, they're not. They're better than they used to be for sure. Like there's no doubt that they're better. Right. But okay. Right? So I mean, let, let's go back to the interpolation argument from, you know, back way, way back in the day. Like Sony releases its, its Z series phones with a 23 megapixel camera and then by default yeah, then, the photos are eight megapixels yeah and then there's a whole pure view right like uh, lumia pure view thing was a perfect example of that like a, a 20 megapixel sensor outputs eight megapixels all the time correct so those are that's the way to do it because then and, you're and, and actually uh p10 and mate 9 when you zoom in you can zoom in up to two times uh, with lossless because one of the sensors is 20 megapixels or whatever and then mm -hmm. the other one is 16 or you know so you get i can't remember the megapixel count but one of them is larger and uh, lets you use both combines both sensors to give you uh you know basically gives you more detail at, at, at with you know by digitally zooming because it's got more light information, even though it has less color information from the color sensor, right? It's it's cool. It's a very, very cool. It works very well. If you take a, a zoomed in up to two times on the P10, you'll see like you don't lose anything. It's fantastic. 
Yeah, and so. Huawei arguably is is doing this right. I mean, Huawei is bringing dual sensor, dual camera phones down to the mainstream with the Honor P, uh, the the Honor Eight and Honor Nine. Uh, yeah, you know, Motorola is now doing dual camera at the three nine nine euro mark with the Moto X Four, but but Huawei is doing it better, and Huawei makes a lot of you know they sell dozens of millions of phones every year. I think um, what hurts Huawei is that they don't have the software expertise. Not I, I shouldn't say they don't know how to do imaging. No, that they do have that expertise. I'm saying in general, the software experience is not as good on their phones. And then the brand is unknown to the US market, right? Um and it, it the few people who know Huawei think of them as budget phones for pre prepaid carriers. So changing that image is going to be really hard. But I've been saying for years now, ever since the six, uh, the Honor Six Plus, which is like four years ago, which was the first dual camera phone that did depth of field adjustment and portrait mode, um, that 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 they have something going. These guys technologically, Huawei is is out there. I mean that Kirin nine seventy that just announced is a beast. And they know how to make technology and they know how to make phones. It's just, you know, how they market them and how they, what's the user experience like. Remember what Samsung's user experience was like. It sucked for a long time. Yeah, but Huawei's improving faster than Samsung improved. Yeah, because they have to, because they are the ones, they want to conquer the US market eventually. And, and they, they can. I mean, if they make the right, uh, the, the Mate 9 is a fantastic phone. It's a phenomenal phone. And the P10 Plus, I think, is a really great phone, too. Right. Um, but it's not quite there yet. It's just the user experience is what lets it down. And the generic design, in my opinion, looks too much like an iPhone, which, you know, uh, uh, Samsung, I mean, Pix um, Google did as well, the Pixel. And that's a marketing thing, you know, but I hate it. I, I like how Samsung has its own personality with the Galaxy S8 and the Note 8, and it's it's immediately obvious, you know, you have a, a Galaxy, right? And that's great. So... Right, okay, so let me let me ask you this then, because, you know, you and I haven't really talked a lot since the S8 came out. What do you think of Samsung going all in on curved displays? It's not my thing, but it certainly distinguishes them and, and sets them apart and makes, you know, have them... I think for me in my S8 review on ChipCheck, if you read it, the, the takeaway was not only is the user experience good out of the box and I don't feel frustrated anymore, but more importantly, they've come to their own in terms of the industrial design of their phones. That they finally, it started a little bit last year with the S7 and maybe arguably with the S6, but they really have consolidated this design that is uniquely, you know, Galaxy, uniquely Samsung. You put one down on the table, immediately everyone knows it's a Samsung. Unless, of course, the phone you just pulled and put on the table is a Xiaomi Note 2. <laughs> because it right. looks exactly like a Galaxy S7. Uh, <laughs> but that's because Xiaomi likes to copy everyone. But you know what I'm saying? Like they've come to their of their own in their industrial design. And I think that's a really great achievement for them because for the longest time they were chasing the iPhone. Yes. And let's put it, let's 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 face it, the iPhone is the most boring design of a phone in the entire planet. I cannot wait for whatever's coming on Tuesday to really change that. It's so interesting that there's this movement of people who want the iPhone 4S and, and 4 um, design back. 
You well, know I'd like, love it. It's it's scaled in size. I love the design. Yeah, I just I, want it bigger. I I would say that you know if if they could pull that off, that would be really interesting. But I don't think it's ever going to go back there. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their, I mean, other than the MacBook twelve uh, inch, which I have, which I'm recording on right now, um, which I think is is a an evolution of the MacBook Air design, but in a in a, a an improvement in in evolution. Other than that, frankly, there's not a single Apple product that has intrigued me in terms of industrial design recently. Um, I don't think the MacBook Pros are offensive. I think they they are very purposeful and they look good. Um, but the if you look at their mobile devices, the the Apple Watch is a scaled-down, exact-down replica industrial design from the the iPhone that we know today, the six and seven and seven plus, and the the seven S and the and the plus phones are just bigger versions of the same. It's the same thing, and it's boring as hell. I mean, yeah. this r- rounded corners all around with the exact same radius. Oh my god, like. Seriously, Johnny Ives, like, can you not come up with something more interesting? Because you sure did with the iPhone 5 and the iPhone 4. And I felt the same way about the original iPhone and the iPhone uh, 3G. And they were boring to me. They were ugly. They were blobby. Um, I, I really can't wait to see what's coming out on, on, on Tuesday. And I know, obviously, we've seen the leaks. It's... You know, still very much, uh, you know, the same radius rounded corners thing, but at least it'll have this edge to edge display and, and it'll have a slightly different camera arrangement on the back that'll hopefully make it more interesting. But they've got, they've got to innovate. Like to me, that's why I like the essential phone. It's like radically different looking, you know? Yeah. I, you know, the essential phone is in, in many ways like that iPhone 4S. It's, it's just a honking piece of very dense metal. And I like that. I think that it works. It works really well. And it's waiting for software to catch up because a lot of the apps on the essential phone don't scale properly. So it leaves black bars. And, you know, Samsung has that problem too, but Samsung has a solution for it, whereas essential doesn't. I agree. And, And also LG has a solution to it. Um, yeah, I mean, this is only a matter of it's growing pains because, you know, a year from now, every phone will have, um, you know, two by one ish aspect ratio. Uh, wait, you know, LG's already announced some budget or cheap mid range, even lower than mid range phones uh, recently, like a few months, a few weeks ago, that had uh, 2.1 aspect ratio. So it's going to disseminate down to the, you know, the common everyday phones for people. This is going to be normal very soon, edge to edge display. Uh, wide aspect, ultra wide aspect ratios, very little bezel. So eventually, Android is going to catch up, and I really hope that with a Pixel XL this year being, you know, made by LG and having a super wide angle screen, we're going to see, uh, you know, an official, you know, way to support that stuff from 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 Google, right? Yeah, I think with even in Oreo, I believe there are some calls to uh, two by one and and eighteen point five by nine aspect ratio screens, uh, knowing that the Pixel XL two will have that same aspect ratio. I think it makes sense uh, why Google will hold off until October to say, "Hey, we now officially support this." It may only come in Android 8.0.1 or 8.1, whatever launches with the Pixel 2. But I think it's very clear that this is the direction Android is moving. 
and I, I hope so. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a bit of waste on the the existing phones right now that you can't use all the apps properly. Listen, it's uh it's getting time to wrap up. I want to quickly touch on one thing that we had haven't discussed, and your quick thoughts, like one minute or less, on the Moto X4 that was finally made official that I discussed about three podcasts ago um, with Sherilyn, I believe it was at the time. What are your thoughts on that phone? Where does it fit into the Moto world? You you and I are big fans of the Moto <sighs> phones this year, other than the Z2 Force, of course. I like the Z2 Force. I am you conflicted. Do. I really do. I, I think Motorola is, I'm a fanboy. I love Motorola. I've been See, I like fan. the Z2 Play, personally. I think the Force missed the boat. I do too, but I like it, despite its problems. And that's my... My, that's my conflict. And I'm looking forward to the Moto X4, if only because it's IP68 water and dust resistant, and it goes the LG direction with its dual camera. So it has a wide angle secondary camera. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. I, I think that M Motorola made some interesting decisions in uh, its design. The 2.5D glass on the back looks really nice. And it's- They're you know, not it's constrained by the Moto Z- form factor with right. the X4, yet it's not a flagship. It's really interesting. It's like a hybrid of the two lines, the, the former X line and the current Z line, but it's not a flagship, right? So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, and if you look at the European price that's been released, 399 euro, it's likely it'll be about the same in the US. And if you're, if you're looking forward to uh, later this year when the phone comes out and you put two and two together, you can kind of see where Motorola is going to position this phone. Um, and that is exciting to me. You know, there's a lot of potential here for Motorola to create a mid-range, mid to high-range phone the way that they've taken over the, the low and, and entry-level market with the E and G line. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I've asked for a review in it. I'm sure we'll eventually get one. They didn't seem like they had anything available yet, so no. I, I don't even think it's out. Um, and now I'm going to try to really hard to get an essential phone. I'm going to think, I think I'm going to ping my friends at Sprint, see if they can help me out because the essential PR people are like, who are you? I'm like, seriously, people. Do I, I think they're mostly who like, am? who am I? Like, they don't even know what the hell they're yeah. doing. Well, that's the problem with, and, and I honestly, anything Andy Rubin has ever been involved when it comes to media, the guy is kind of like Steve Jobs. He, I don't think he likes the media. I don't think he treats them well. I don't, I mean, maybe I'm judgmental, but that's the vibe I've always gotten. And, you know, his company is certainly behaving that way. Yeah, you're, I mean, you, you, know, you may be right. I, I've. They're certainly not making an effort to build relationships with at least, unless you're like one of the top five tech blogs or major, you know, newspapers or something. And it's kind of disappointing. That's not, you know, how, you know, OnePlus is a good, an example of a company who knows how to, to butter people up to get the attention of the media, you know? <laughs> They do it really, really well. Yeah. And I think HTC does it really well too. You know, uh, we love them despite their uh, shortcomings, I would say, you know. Well, we, we didn't talk about how Google may buy HTC, but maybe you can hold that off for next week. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I read that rumor and I think that's an interesting one. And, uh, you know, they did buy Moto once and we know how that ended. So we sure do. I don't know. On that note, why don't you plug yourself, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, on, on Android Central, all that. So you can find me on Twitter at JourneyDan. It's like Journeyman with a D. You can find me at Android Central, sometimes at iMore and Windows Central as well. And you can find me on 
Instagram at Journey Dan as well, because I'm kind of like you. I'm a photo nut, so I take a lot of photos and post them there. Great. And thanks so much for being on, Daniel. A real pleasure. And I have to admit, I'm really thankful that you were able to educate me on all the things that I, because, you know, I just literally got back and I haven't had a chance to catch up on all my spec sheets and, you know, um, press releases. Uh, I just got the phones, which is a big start for me to, you know, dive in. I'm really looking forward to playing with them. And, uh, you know, so thanks for that. Well, thank you for having me on. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Great. So stay tuned for next week. We'll talk iPhone uh, and we'll talk about these two phones we talked about today, at least my experience with them. And I want to thank World Podcast for hosting the podcast and doing the editing work. And uh, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Tankerl, T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character without the vowels. And mobiletechpodcast.com is URL if you want to subscribe to the podcast. I encourage that you do. And uh, my YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com slash Miriam Miriam with a Y. Uh, subscribe and check out my unboxing, mostly unboxing videos. I just love unboxing videos. Daniel, are you a fan? Not anymore, but uh, I appreciate those who still it's are. It's fun. It's fun. All right. Stay tuned till next week, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Cheers. Bye-bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.